Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Welcome to Insights, everyone. Community is the key word for today's show. We had the honor of catching up with Mike, Dave, and Michael of Green Sky Bluegrass, a bluegrass-fueled band that's created a unique community of its own that's been absolutely thriving for the last two decades. I connected with the guys on video call to learn about how Green Sky initially got together and built its fan base, how the band decided which songs to include in its upcoming album, Stress Dreams, how COVID-19 forced them to take a break from touring, and how they've grown their sound over the years. Their new album, Stress Dreams, is due out on January 21st via 30 Tigers, and we can't wait for you to hear it. But first, let's hear from the band. So where, where is everybody today? Where is everybody sitting? What town? I, I'm in Denver, Colorado, and I'm Dave. I play guitar in the band. Hi, Dave. I'm sitting, Dave. <laughs> I'm sitting in Santa Cruz, California, at home. We're home. We're all home, which is nice. And I'm here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, at home, in our guest bedroom. Nice. So y'all are all in different places. Nice. I have to say, though, Santa Cruz does sound kind of nice. Santa Cruz is really nice. Um, we're, we're about to have, like, six consecutive days of like constant rain which is really good for the environment and so on out here <laughs> like we need rain but uh I'm, I'm not looking forward to that i'm gonna try and spend as much time out there today as i can before we get a little winter weather i'm not really feeling totally sorry for you because i live in memphis <laughs> and <laughs> we have a lot of rain so i'm just saying yeah you guys can deal with six days Right. <laughs> no, well, that's just as far as my weather app shows me. So there could be more after that. But I hear you. I, I've ever, mostly everywhere I can think of has worse weather than we do, by my subjective opinion. So, so Kalamazoo, are you having a white Christmas? Um, there was snow on the ground this morning, but it's gone now. So I don't think it's going to happen this year. I've never had one. So that would be very exciting for me if I actually had a white Christmas. Yeah, I feel like we used to get a lot more snow when I was younger, and it just doesn't happen anymore. Well, last Global year, warming. yeah, well, last year True. here in Memphis, we had one snow, and the first time it snowed in forever, and it it snowed 15 inches, and Memphis doesn't even oh, own a snowplow, wow. <laughs> so wow. it was uh, it was a lot of fun. So, where did you guys where did you guys meet originally? You're not living together in the same place now, but you must have been in the sort of in the same place at some point. Back in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, um, that's where we met, and that's where the band started, and that's still where the band calls home, is Kalamazoo, Michigan, even though we've all spread our wings in different ways to have a nice life for ourselves. So were you, were you guys in school there, or what were, what, why were you there in the, in the first uh, place? Well, I'm, I'm from Kalamazoo originally. Um, and uh, I think everyone went to school there, and that's how we met. I mean, uh, Mike Bont and myself, we met back in uh, 1997 in Kalamazoo. 
Isn't Kalamazoo <laughs> where they where they have the Gibson or had the Gibson mandolin and guitar factory, like the original one, right? Yeah, yeah. all the all, all the finest banjos, mandolins, and guitar in the world. All the really expensive ones are made in Kalamazoo. All the yeah. Actually, fun fact, uh, I sold Diddy TV, a 1959 Gibson three-quarter size melody maker recently. Oh, you did? Was it on Reverb? Yeah. I think they bought it on Reverb through, I was, it was on consignment through Telluride Music in Telluride, Colorado. Okay, so my husband, Ronnie, is the one who bought that guitar from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank him for me. I will, I I will thank him. Yes, I will thank him for you. And he used to live in Telluride, actually. Um, he was okay. there for about 12 years. That's how we met. But you, you guys actually, uh, when you first got started, didn't you play some sort of festival there or uh, did some sort of contest or something like that? What was the story back uh, about Telluride? We, um, yes, that's true. We have a sort of an illustrious history with Telluride at this point for uh yeah look dave shirt telluride music um we have played telluride bluegrass festival many times um the first time we played um we were participants in the bluegrass band competition in 2006 which we won which was awesome um part of the prize for for winning there was to we were booked for the festival the following year in 2007 um and man i think we've been back what guys maybe your counting is has been done more accurately than mine but we've played all but like two telluride bluegrass festivals since then um so that's become sort of a great tradition for our band and for our families and uh we are super stoked to be able to be a part of that community each year telluride's a really special place for us and for our band for those of people out there who haven't been, it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. It's, it's gorgeous there. It's, okay. yeah, the San Juan Mountains are really special. It's, there really isn't anywhere like it. And the Bluegrass Festival, the stage with the mountains right behind it, I, I don't know how you can have anything that's actually more picturesque than that. Just a, it's such a great, a great festival. Yeah, you know, the view from the stage, the view of the stage is beautiful, but the view from the stage is like less people have it, I guess. Um, but uh, it's really something it's stunning. So before you guys got together and formed a band, were you all playing bluegrass individually or how did that come about? Well, um, I was a drummer around Kalamazoo and that's how uh, Mike and I met. And um, <clears throat> a guy that we mutually knew, who I played in the band with in high school, he gave me a guitar and Mike had gotten a banjo and I made a joke that if I was gonna play guitar, I'd play bluegrass guitar and Mike got a banjo. So we started playing, you know, bluegrass together and learning how it worked and how, how to make those songs sound like bluegrass songs. Uh, but it was definitely something that uh, we all, we listen, well, I listened to, and I can't speak for everyone in the band, but it was a genre of music I did enjoy. Yeah, me too. Most most definitely, I really was in it for like I really love bluegrass. When we, I mean, I still do love bluegrass, but when we, when I was first learning banjo, I was definitely just listening to only I think only bluegrass for a long time. 
So did you purposely not have drums for that reason in the band? Because bluegrass is really typically more string instrumentation, or what was the reason behind not having drums, for example? We just wanted to try it and play what bluegrass was, you know? And I don't think it was ever really a conscious decision, but it's just kind of how we went forward with it, I guess. So but you... I'll add, I'll add, like when I joined the band, um, and I was not, I joined the band in 2004 when these guys had, were, were first getting together and learning together and um, starting to play gigs and becoming a band. I was studying classical cello at school in Kalamazoo. That's how I eventually ran into these guys just from living and working there. But um, when I joined the band, these, I mean, Green Sky's got a lot of original music now and have, you know, played the gamut of genres, but. When I joined Green Sky, it was very much a bluegrass band. And they're just armed drums and bluegrass. Is the simple answer to that question. It's just, they're trying to play bluegrass. And when I joined, we continue to try and play bluegrass. Um, our, we, in some of our recording projects since, we've added drums for a song that we felt needed it or something. But uh, we've continued to make that choice to be, uh, create this, you know, our version kind of far out version of like the string band sound where the rhythms are generated by the ways that our instruments interact. So, you know, originally it was just, there was no place for drums and what these guys set out to do. And, and I think now that's just been a choice. Sometimes a choice that we rue because playing with drummers is awesome. Dave's a great drummer and uh, we love the situations where we can make that happen. Um, but yeah, generally we've just been this, our version of the string band formula. I was listening to the album, and I love it. We're going to get to, to the album in just a second here. But um, what kind of struck me was that, that when I was listening to the songs on the album, there's elements of bluegrass in there, but there's also, there's, there's rock, there's, you know, there's great lyrics and great melodies. And, um, you know, it wasn't all traditional kind of bluegrass. And I was wondering if you guys or someone could take this and describe your music a little bit for me and where you fit in in between bluegrass and, and lots of other genres. Well, yeah, I think that's just something, um, you know, we all have diverse taste in music and we all have different ways we'd like to go with music. And I think that's kind of an advantage that we always have had by not trying to necessarily put ourselves into a category or a neat little box so to speak and <clears throat> we've often had a lot of fun just experimenting and trying new things and you know i mean just because something is one way doesn't mean it has to be that way you know i mean it's all music is all based on repetition and you know you you take things from here you take things from there and i think we've given ourselves that kind of freedom to be able to you know, just make the kind of music that we like to make together. And, you know, we're such a, I believe we're such a tight unit of musicians and we can play well together very easily. And I, I find it pretty fun that we don't like to just necessarily put everything into a category here and there, you know, whatever serves the song the best and whatever the song serves the band the best, I think is where we were pretty lucky to have found each other and be in that situation together and be able to create together something that's just music. We always joke that was some green sky music. Now here's some bluegrass and a live show and we'll play a bluegrass number after that. But 
yeah, I think um, it is a little misleading that our name is has bluegrass in the title, but that all started from a desire to want to learn that type of music, and that's how it all kind of came together. And you know, I, again, I just think it's nice that we have freedom to make music, and and that's the pure joy of it, and that's the the most important thing to me, at least. You guys have anything to add to that? Um, I put that pretty well. Go ahead, Bob. It's okay. All right. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty well. But also, you know, I feel like we're also um, <clears throat> very much to a spot where at some point we kind of just, you know, we were, we loved playing bluegrass, but I thought, I think we got to a point where in our music where we, all of our influences then, you know, and like what Dave said, we have a very diverse kind of background and we kind of like started to let our influences into our song making process. And also there's like a desire just to create different um, rhythms and beats without a drummer. Uh, but to like kind of give it the feel that there's drums, but there's no drums, um, and how just kind of cool that is. Duvall, go. I wasn't gonna add much. I thought they put it pretty well with it. Just like we're not trying to be something except group Green Sky. You know, he said it. It's like we're we're never set, and we don't we don't go into the studio trying to make a bluegrass record or. Uh, jam band record or so we're just trying to make a green sky record and that has changed what that means has changed over time um from the early days when green sky is making you know you listen to the first album especially and and a couple albums after that it's you see this transition from bluegrass and even then we played bluegrass in our own way but we this transition from bluegrass into different sounds and different tones and uh the, and the, the songwriting has changed and developed and uh, but I think that that's because our aim is to just stay true to be authentic. I think we are, it says it's up for success, you know, like we're, we're just trying to make green sky record and just, okay. and each of them is very much. So make music that we like to play. So you guys, and then we, we believe in too, and think is worthwhile. Well, and you guys are, you have a cult following in a good way. You have people that will come out three nights at Red Rocks and see you guys play. And how did that happen? And when did you go from a small venue to, wow, we're, we're playing a big venue here? And what was that transition like? I've, I've, tried, I've asked myself the same question before. I, I remember there was a time when it, all of a sudden it felt like we were a uh, like we were uh, become a big band or we had be, or we weren't like up and coming anymore or, or it, it, it changed. And it, and, and I can't pin, it's hard to pinpoint one time when all of a sudden our, per, our perception of our own success or something had gone from this thing to this other thing. Um, but, but it, there was this always just this constant of, we were always out there working writing new music, recording, creating, and, and more or less, like these guys will attest, like we didn't stop touring notably from like before we won the Telluride Bluegrass contest in 2006 until COVID. <laughs> I mean, I guess it took like five weeks off twice maybe and like eight weeks off another time. And that's the most we could ever call to like time out. Um, we've just been like, I don't want to say that we earned our fan base from just relentlessness, but like we kept coming back and we kept just doing what we do and providing this experience and this community for people that we befriended and 
be fanned. I might have stand that word up, but uh, along the way, but yeah, it's like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I I think (laughs) that we've just had, we've had a lot of people who've been on the journey with us for a long time, you know, um, you go to shows now and, and we see a lot, I see a lot of fans who are young and new and strangers to me. Um, but there's been a steady close base fan group that's been with us for like a, a really long time. And, uh, I, I think a lot of what keeps them coming, um, as much as it's us and our music, I'd be flattered to think that's all it is, but it's like a community that these people have built together and for each other, that it's like, it's become a scene that is beyond being all about our music and our band. It's like, it's, it's bigger than that. It's a community. And it's like, now it's people passing down this community to their children and, you know, younger people in their community. And um, I think as much as these fervent fans of ours that we're so grateful for our green sky fans, I think that it's like, it's, it's, it's become a part of their lives that the, the social realm of it all. And that means a lot to us as a band. Dave, did you want to okay. say something? <laughs> no, I think Mike hit it pretty much similar thoughts that I had. You know, I, I can't really put my finger on when that transition happened. It just, to me, when I look back on it, it just kind of happened. Uh, for lack of Yeah, how do we become the old guys? <laughs> it yeah. happened somewhere in the back of the bandwagon cruising across the state of montana at four o'clock in the morning on a cross-country trip from seattle back home to kalamazoo <laughs> right <laughs> oh yeah i do remember there. that oh that was the day good that was the day yeah. i remember that in my calendar okay so i'm gonna you guys were touring nonstop, and then COVID happens so what was that like that abrupt halt to touring and and all that kind of came with COVID. That was kind of heavy. Um, for, for me, it was a, a, I was having a lot of issues in my personal life that were uh, really affecting me in, in many different ways. And, you know, looking back now on that moment, um, it was probably, and I'm speaking for myself, but it was probably the best thing that could have happened to me at that time because I don't think, uh, I think a break was something I definitely needed after constantly playing. Um, But like my initial thoughts at that time was, it was a little devastating and it was, it was a bummer. And then, you know, as it dragged on and on and not being able to see like these guys in person, because we all lived in different places. That was, that was really hard for me because, you know, these guys are, are my family. Uh, We, you know, not to sound cheesy or cliche, but that's, you know, people don't realize the, the relationships when you have in a band and you spend that much time together and you do a lot of things together. But that was, uh, that was really hard to be apart from the fellas and, and even our crew guys, you know, like it was, uh, it was one thing being able to like get on a Zoom chat like this and like catch up weekly, but it's not the same. And it was, uh, that part of it was really, hard and devastating for me. Mike? Yeah. It it was a lot of things. Um, Like Dave said, I mean, I think that, I mean, we're entering our third year of this COVID bullshit. And uh, it's just, 
I've seen how, how people have had such varied experiences. Some, you know, in our case, our, our project, our art project and our livelihood and our quest, you know, was halted really abruptly. And, um, that brought on a lot, um, besides our personal relationships, not seeing each other, um, that kind of like, I know I personally went through some sort of like uh, worth kind of like stuff, like this whole thing I've been working on for so long can be so quickly just like eliminated. Obviously that's not the case. Um, but like Dave, honestly, the, you know, I wouldn't have chosen this way, you know, a global pandemic, finally green sky takes a break, but like, uh, for, for me, it was kind of awesome also to be home for, over a year. Um, I have a son of four and a half here. He's four and a half now, but he was like two and a half when this all started. And that's like precious time, um, that I had at home. Um, also I love being in Santa Cruz and I love to mountain bike and like spend time in nature, do other things besides work and having sort of this like, un, kind of like scarily unending, like, time oh it keeps telling me i'm raising my hand i guess i'm gesturing <laughs> like a scary amount of time off like this like well i guess we'll check in on this in three months like i've never had that kind of time to myself and while a lot of it was spent like being a dad <laughs> maintaining and doing chores and all the stuff like like the time to spend in nature and recreate um for me was and, and be with my family was like I wouldn't have traded, I wouldn't have traded it back. Honestly, like I needed that. I think, I think maybe we all, um, had started to realize that a break in whatever form shorter than 15 months for certain, but like <laughs> a little bit of chance to step away, uh, was probably good for us in March of 2020. We, you know, we're, so we're driven and we love doing what we do. So we hadn't made a plan to, stop but i think just like being forced to tap the brakes um for me provide a lot of perspective on i guess balance uh between home and work and this and that and uh it's something it's a lot the whole covid thing i know it's a lot for everybody and that's how it was for me <laughs> i don't think anyone would have just hit pause like that but i've talked to a lot of people yeah. And it's interesting. I think once people got over the shock of it, there was a silver lining there for a lot of people that, hey, I, I can just enjoy my family time and maybe be, do something creative, for example, and take time to do some things I never thought I would have time to do. And it wasn't the way that we planned it or would have wanted it, I don't think. But, um, but then there's some silver linings in there. I think a lot of people mm -hmm. feel that way. For sure. Um, so you were, were you guys writing the new album, Stress Dreams, during this period, or had you already started writing it before COVID? There was, um, there were a few, you know, in, in, in that, in the time of year when COVID hit, we had, were planning to enter the studio in fall of 2020 to record an, an album. And I, and at that time, I know that Paul, who writes a lot of our songs, um, had a few things going. Uh, 
some of the others of us were writing at home. I had like a, I had started to write a little bit um, in the fall of 2019, um, sort of like a new endeavor, just like a project for me. Um, and I had some like stuff in the works, like when COVID hit, I had some stuff in the works that I hoped would turn into some songs, um, but nothing finished. It was, we didn't have big plans, but when COVID hit, um, we sort of went straight to solidifying our plans for, um, recording. So we took that recording time in September of 2020, um, in Vermont and, uh, sort of scheduled before that a few times when we would get together, rehearse and try to develop material together. Uh, but when touring was eliminated and when it became more and more clear that it wasn't coming back soon, um, I know for me, the prospect of a recording project on the horizon was like, A, I got to like spend time with my band, my best buddies. Um, but B, like that's, that's the, that's the project. That's, that's the only thing. It's like, it's not like a bunch of touring and all these live shows and also we're working on an album. It was like this thing. So it became very much a piece of focus for me because I wanted something to work on, you know, and I wasn't too busy or too, too exhausted or trying to catch up again from coming back from tour that uh, I had to use all of my energy to uh, on this one thing. So we developed material from like, in the spring and then through July and August of, of 2020, we were sharing material and getting together to rehearse. And we started tracking in like late September in Vermont. And, uh, yeah, that's how it started. Two more. So we would do two more sessions, um, and continue to vet to develop the material that already existed in September. And then there's a few new songs that came later, um, recorded again in October. And then again, in, um, March of 2021, and um, ended up with the collection of songs that we are releasing in January. So creatively, how did that work? Did you just wait to get together to collaborate and figure out, you know, in the individual parts? Or were you sending stuff back and forth since you weren't in the same place? Yeah, we opened up like a, you know, a, a folder that we could share our demos with one another. So everyone was kind of working at home, recording their demos so we could get years on it. And then, you know, we were able to get together and do uh, record some live shows that we were playing to stream and start to talk about the songs and play them together and get a sense of how it works with each other. And then in August, <clears throat> we all met up in, uh, in Colorado together for, for about a week and we're able to really start to kind of dig into what these songs are. And we, you know, we brought some gear and recorded demos of the band so we can kind of go through uh, all the songs and see what's going to work <clears throat> and what's not going to work and try some things. And then we really tightened the screws when we got to Vermont in September and started really digging in and really recording. So it was, a uh, you know, all in all, it was, it was a little bit of everything, but the fact that we were all able to share, um, in a folder folder, excuse me, and, uh, record demos for each other was, was helpful, you know, 
And it was also just really exciting because, you know, Mike was touching on how he was starting to write because that's not something that he did a lot of uh, for Green Sky. And when he sent his little, uh, I like to call his indie rock EP to us, I was <laughs> absolutely thrilled because the stuff that he came up with was, you know, it was really fresh for what we're doing. It was a new voice and it was extremely musical. And I was really not the least bit, bit surprised that he was able to put that stuff together because I always hold him in high regard. Even if he wasn't on this call, I'd be saying this, but musically, oh, nice thumbs up. Um, I've always held him in very high regard musically because of his, his knowledge. And I'm more of a kind of throw it at the wall and figure it out. And I, I have a hard time speaking the musical language in the technical term <laughs> because uh, I just kind of fall upon things and, you know, but so it was great to, to hear all the different takes and all the new stuff. And I had a, a, some new things I put in there, which sadly I, I kind of fell out of love with after we recorded them because the subject matter was a bit, was a bit intense. Uh, you know, it was, it was all kind of a one statement thing that I didn't really feel like sharing with the world over and over again. So how did the song selection take place? How did y'all decide what was going to be on the album and what wasn't? That was that was a tough process because we we recorded a lot. Uh, yeah, we started with twenty. Well, we didn't start with. We ended up with like twenty or twenty-one recorded tracks. Um, some of them we abandoned at various stages, um, but even in the end, I think we like totally finished, like mixed, like eighteen, seventeen, eighteen songs or something. Um, it was 18. So like what, what, final yeah, what, what, 18. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What began is kind of like, um, you know, people got some buns in the oven, you know, with ideas going into a, a plans to record. <laughs> well, that's the right statement, but, uh, it became like, actually like a lot prolific. It became this, like, <laughs> I remember that a lot of the process was, is a little complicated because, um, I remember you guys remember that like mood board thing I made that one time with like, <laughs> I love I, it. we didn't know how to separate. There was, there was like so much material that, and there's so many ways to like put it next to each other and compare it to each other. Like that, you know, we have a couple songs that have a certain tempo feel and a couple songs that are in the same key and a couple songs that like maybe have similar content or there's all these ways. And then I, um, we were really having a hard time trying to, decide what to do with all the material, whether we were going to use it all, how to put it in an order. Like it was just a lot to sort. So at one point I remember in the studio once, you know, I'm a bass player. So like I, I do a lot of my work on these songs and stuff at the beginning, like arranging and orchestrating. I love that. That's like my favorite part of the process. And then I go and I play bass and then when we're done tracking that, I got time on my hands. So I play ping pong some in the studio, but this one day I, I decided to make this mood board that was like trying to like make a visual of where to like put, basically place these songs in this grid and then separate them based on their similarities somehow. And it kind of work, works, but uh, I guess the point is, is that um, it was hard to decide what to use and how to use it. So taking 21 songs to 18 and then 18 songs to, I think this album's 13, um, was a real uh, was a real project, but we did it, and I th and 
I feel pretty confident we're making the right choices. Yeah. Well, now you've got all these extra tracks. You can put them on another album. (laughs) Yeah. We figure, I'm sure we'll release some of it and in due time as, you know, as some for something. So there's, there's songs that we, that we love. Um, they're just songs that maybe weren't necessarily a part of what this album became. So who produced the album? Bon produced the album. I did. I, I was just, I just, this I was just thinking it'd be time for you to answer. Yeah, Bon, it is yeah. your turn. It's my turn. Okay, good. It's my turn. It was produced by Dominic John, our buddy, who uh, plays bass with Jack White, and a longtime friend and partner, studio coordinator. Um, We've had him Brown. here, did he? He, he came. He came by uh, earlier this year, actually. Ruby. So, Dominic yeah. Davis. He's a he's a hero. And um, yeah, he's a hero. And Glenn, our engineer and studio wizard, and us. And the green sky bluegrass. That's and correct. Green sky bluegrass. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that We've, sort of sort of struck me was I was listening to the music, but I was also reading your lyrics, and. A lot of what I read, it really read almost like poems to me, and the lyrics were incredible. So I just wanted to give you guys some props because I wanted to go through some of the songs and pull out a lyric and have you guys comment on it and uh, maybe dig a little deeper. Um, what about, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about absence of reason. Let's start with that one. And there was a lyric in there, so answer when the man behind the curtain calls. Open up your door and cut some windows in your walls. That's a quote from a monument, actually. A monument. Hey, look, I got another thumbs up again. I don't know (laughs) why it does that. Because you got the right answer. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's a quote from monument. Monument, Um, okay. You know, we can speculate uh, on our interpretations of what songs mean when we didn't write them, but that, that honors wrote that one with his partner, um, okay. a, a friend of his, Chris Galbuda. Um, I think that song is interpreted, interpretable in a lot of ways. Um, um, but yeah, I don't know if I can, what is that's the song? Say the line again. So answer when the man behind the curtain calls, open up your door and cut some windows in your walls. Yeah. Um, I think the monument, it's funny to say, I think something's about, but like monument (laughs) to me rings a lot about, it's funny. I think with a lot of these songs, they're about what the listener hears. You know what I mean? I think that's, I think with good, great songwriting, the songwriting that I love, I think it gives letters, listener opportunity to interpret it for themselves and and make it about where they're at or what they've gone through um, shaped to their perspective. Um, I think similarly with the songwriting, Often it's written in some context, but then as things happen in life, they take on a new context. Um, for me with Monument, um, you know, and I've talked to honors, we've all talked about these songs together a little bit, uh, not as much as like, hey, what do you mean by this line? Mm-hmm. But I feel it, uh, this concept of like, you know, you can make plans, you can think one thing. And, you know, I was talking earlier about how like COVID came along and you can't imagine any reason why, you know, next month all of a sudden I'm not going to have gigs for a year and a half, but the rug gets pulled out. Um, I get a lot of that kind of imagery from this song. You know, you can make a plan, you can see it one way, you can 
build this monument, but we're not really in control of, of, of how it ends up, you know, we're not, so I think it's about, it's about embracing, you know, your, your decisions and, and, and riding the wave. And, you know, I think I'm shouting out some vague imagery right here, but, um, that's what it's about for me, it just sort of just being ready to roll with the punches a little bit. You can, you know, plan a picnic, but you can't predict the weather more or less. Thanks outcast. What about just in general with your songwriting, do you guys tend to write more literal songs or ethereal or just a combination thereof as it hits you? Uh, for for me, it's, which it's, for the song. it's a little bit of everything. Can't really put my finger on it. Uh, and it's, you know, I can't really speak for the other guys, but it, it just sort of happened. <laughs> it's, yeah, I think you write all the kinds of songs. Like some, you know, some of Dave's songs are, let's just tell a story. And then, and in those cases, you know, like later to see more. I mean, of course, there's like imagery and like metaphor in there, but it's also like some. There are so I guess in other words, there are songs of ours that I think tell a story and mean what they say. And other songs, yes. you know. I, I mean, and I guess you know, I wrote a couple songs on the album, and it's it's all different. I think it's a per song. I'm only just sort of getting to know my own songwriting process, but it's like, and like Dave said, it's just like, it is what it is. Are you trying to tell a story? Are you trying to be literal? Then in that case, I think that's the right thing to do and the right approach to have. It's about like authenticism, you know? Are you trying to like suggest a deeper idea that you want the listener to interpret? Like that's what you should do for that song. I think it's hard to, I guess for me, I, I haven't, attempted to make that decision as a songwriter to to do it literally or figuratively i think it's just when the when the words feel right and say what you what you mean whatever that is and it matches with the music i think you you just you have to just go with it um i th i think for me too a lot of uh, like intention for like if you start out trying to write a song and then you find the song becomes something else like on its own something's not working and something else does and you're not sure why but you just know that it's working and then you follow that lead and it kind of it sounds easy to say like it writes itself but it doesn't it's like you know i just said about something for months before you know before i think i figured it out but it kind of for me i've learned that you in my process i kind of have to like follow the lead of the idea it's pretty clear when it's not working more so than it's like immediately evident what is going to work you know so so how about stress dreams it was a title track and it it's uh, also the name of the album and what did the stress dreams embody for you guys that that it was the name of the, the album as well and 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 obviously i um I saw the lyrics and one line was, I've been waking up tired. I've been working for hours and I'm missing the mark before the day even starts when my boy cries to me in the dark. So, and that line was repeated. My boy. Yeah. My boy. Yeah. That's yeah. My boy. <laughs> Dad. Um, I wrote those lines. Um, I wrote that song. Um, I shouldn't give it all away, but no. It's funny. Um, the stress dreams is a concept that um, 
just those two words as how I describe this. I was having these dreams, literal dreams that were like, just like really annoying, uh, like non-dramatic moments, but that were just like really frustrating. Like, Oh, I got a thumbs up. Cool. Um, <laughs> like I, I would have the, I would have these dreams where it, it was like, I'm supposed to be on stage and the band's like waiting for me. And I, but I forgot something. So I run back to the dressing room, but I don't have the code to get into the locked dressing room. And then I'm trying to text our tour manager, but like, I can't get a text out. Like, <laughs> I know it doesn't sound tragic, but it's like, uh, just like these moments of frustration that I, and I was dreaming about this stuff. And then I would wake up and when I'm supposed to be like getting rested, I wake up and I'm this like ball of anxiety just cause I'm like, I can be a little impatient, I guess, but like these moments, just like these frustrating dead end moments. And that's what like a stress dream was for me. Um, that's not what the song became about, but like, uh, that it was the concept of like waking up tired, like, I'm supposed to be resting, but because my, my sleep isn't restful anymore. Uh, I guess in that case, it's, it's pretty literal. Um, as we, you know, that song was like a music project before I figured out what the lyrics were going to be about. Um, I think when we took it into the studio and, and when we started playing that song together, it's like really different than anything we've done. It's like very much a composed kind of thing. Um, but I think we took on the project of that song. And, and then I think the reason that it became the title track of the album is just because of like, maybe how out of the box it is. Maybe um, it's something very different than what we've done. And uh, it just turned out, I think it just turned out really cool. And that's why we like it. But um, not to toot my own horn, because these guys made it awesome. I had to bring my weird little idea to these guys and try and explain what I meant. And they made it so much better than I ever thought it could be. But um I think we were able to like take this stress dreams concept and like, I think it took on relevance for us with this whole like COVID thing. Um, you know, we're in this pattern of seeing like just gigs and plans and stuff just get knocked further and further and further away. I think we, you know, everybody had to learn to exist in this plane of just uncertainty, um, not knowing what, and, and <laughs> simply put like that was, that was stressful. Um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't have more to say about it than that. Turned out pretty cool. We're proud of it. Uh, we have a music video coming out for that one too. An animated music video that we're really excited about. And that's something we've never done. So when is in that a lot of ways that'll be out in early January, just before the album drops. Oh, um, yeah, it'd be cool. Um, I think maybe in a lot of ways, like, stress dreams as a song and as a concept and where it all became, it sort of like embodies some new things um, for green skies, some new things that are being born on this album and like new ideas moving into, you know, what's next. And I think that's kind of why we rallied behind that song so much specifically and so on. My version of that same dream is that I, go to a class and I wasn't aware there was a test. And I, uh, all of a sudden I realized I haven't studied for the test. And then I actually realized I've never even been to any of the classes. Like I just didn't go. <laughs> I've, ha I've had that literal, the literal same dream. Like I've been registered for this class for a whole semester and have literally never been. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. 
And I haven't been in school for a long time, but that dream still comes back. Um, well, I love the album. So are you guys going to tour? Is that in the works or you're not sure yet? Oh, yeah, we've, we, well, we've announced a tour that uh, actually, you know, we play New Year's Eve in St. Louis uh, coming up. And then we start the Stress Dreams tour. What is it? January 7th, 6th. We have two nights here in, in Denver at the Mission Ballroom. And we have a pretty expansive East Coast tour happening uh, January, February, and then into March. Um, so a lot yeah. of shows on the first part of the year. It's it's definitely the heftiest uh, amount of shows we played since the pandemic. You know, we did a short run this fall in California, um, in Washington and Oregon. <clears throat> but um, yes, this is our, we guess our first real tour back. And our, our friends, the infamous String Dusters, will be there with us, which is going to be fantastic to have yeah, a larger nice. amount of people to hang out with in the bubble. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how you tour is a little different now nowadays, where you just kind of, you're with your people. Uh, yeah. Which isn't bad. So what, nice. is, what is the most exciting thing you're looking forward to being back on tour? Just playing shows again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, playing new music. I mean, we yeah, we withhold. It's hard to it's hard to withhold. Um, you know, you've listened to the album. Uh, most most everybody else hasn't. We've got three singles out now. The Stress Dream Studio version will come out in January, um, and then you know they get the nine our fans and get the nine other songs uh, when it's released on January twenty first and. Uh, you know, we've played what, guys? We've played five of the songs from the album. What if you count, though? Haven't we played um, Until I Can Sing? I think that counts. Did we play that? I don't remember yeah. playing it. We did it on that video. For Asheville. In Asheville. Maybe that doesn't even count. Playing it once, live? I don't know. We've played, let's say, well, we've played four and a half songs. <laughs> there's so there's a lot left. <laughs> It was the and it was the first song we played too in that live stream thing. It's kind of emo. I remember being like trying to sing that harmony part in the third verse, being like <laughs> a little bit choked, a little bit choked up. Um, so yeah, I mean for me that I'm I'm really excited to play the, the new album. I'm excited to perform the songs um, that we wrote that we haven't yet shared, and to continue to perform the ones we have shared and. Uh, like Dave said, uh, we're bringing out the dusters. I'm sure you know them. Oh yeah, Just badasses. They're they're dear friends of ours. We've known them for a long time. We've had a lot of great shared experiences with them. Um, we love them all as as friends as well as just as musicians. Those guys are fire, and uh, it'll be a real pleasure to be out playing with them. Um, it, I think the I think the bill is pretty pretty sweet for you know the fervent jam grass you know people are are, are gonna like it we're we're stoked listen guys um it was a it was great catching up with you about stress dreams it's a great album i love it everyone needs to run out and buy a copy when it comes out but more importantly go see you guys live because it's such a great show 
And hopefully we'll see you sometime in Memphis or someplace else, but love, love it. And um, I'm really glad we could catch up today. Thank you. you. Thanks, Amy. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with members of Green Sky Bluegrass, whose new album, Stress Dreams, is due out on January 21st via 30 Tigers. It's a powerful collection of songs that we can't wait for you to hear. Order your copy of Stress Dreams over at greenskybluegrass.com and be sure to check out their tour dates while you're there. And remember, you can visit diddytv.com for more exclusive on-demand content and download the official free Diddy TV app from your app store today. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.